Welcome to Mastering Life's Adventures, an educational podcast about tapping into your true self, the soul, your soul, the substance of your life, to discover what life's ups and downs are really about, and how to have a greater sense of purpose, peace, joy, and fulfillment. I am Dr. Judith Holder, your host, coach psychologist, fellow seeker who enjoys diving into the connections between spirituality, psychology, wellness, and your everyday life's adventures. All preparing and polishing you like the fastest of magnificent diamond to be your best self. If you're craving more from your life, you are in the right place. Come, let's journey together and transforming what you know into who you really are. Mastering Life's Adventures begins now. Hi, welcome back. I'm here with a guest on this segment of Real Life Adventures, which is focused around when you don't go within, you go without. Very good topic. And I think you can know where we're headed, but it may be a little bit different from what you're thinking, too, as well. Papiham, why don't you introduce yourself? Thank you, Judith. Thanks for having me on your show. It's been an honor to be here. My name is Bairam, and I live in India. And I've been studying the Buddhist way of life since January 1980, while I was in college in Los Angeles. After graduation, I realized that being a graphic designer was not for me. And so I came back to India in search of teachers and teachings. From India, I went on to Thailand, Sri Lanka, and Japan to deepen my understanding of the teachings. Then, after a deep insight in May 1988, I was authorized to teach the Dharma by my teacher in 1989. Since then, I've been conducting talks, workshops, and retreats around the world. And now I'm here talking to this lovely lady called Judith. Thank you for introducing yourself. Baram, one of the things that we find happening is the subject matter that we're going to be talking about. When you don't go within, you go without. Can you share a little bit more about how that occurred for you from the beginning of your life to, you know, as your stages, as you're moving in, how'd you come up with the awareness that that outer looking for something has an impact upon the inner? Well, I grew up in India for the first 10 years of my life, and I was fortunate to have a dad who was very spiritually inclined. So the seeds were already planted in my cranium by my father. Then he was transferred to Lagos, Nigeria, where I grew up for another 12 years. In my teens, I saw my friends destroying themselves with unwholesome habits drinking, drugging, womanizing, lying, and so on. And I asked myself, what is it that they're trying to achieve by forming these unskillful habits, which I was not drawn to at all from an early stage, whereas these guys were drawn to it like moths to a flame. Mm-hmm. Anyway, as I saw the destruction of their lives, it made me even more conscious of discovering what it is that makes people do what they do. What you're saying there, I think happens with a lot of teenagers, 
is is that they they do get drawn like moth to a flame and get burnt and singed in many regards because it has an impact upon their cognitive abilities, their ability to function and be sensitive to the higher aspects of one's nature, to be sensitive to their spiritual nature. Sometimes that gets a little bit distant from them, creating now a really void. And so what they do is they fill the void with some other stuff <laughs> and they keep on filling it with stuff <laughs> and not the purity of what the soul is needing. And so the soul gets caked over with these layers of stuff. And so the soul doesn't get heard or you're not even recognizing that the soul has purpose and mission. What do you think about that? Absolutely, Jesus. Most people in the absence of spiritual clarity are looking for happiness in all the wrong places. And like you said, when we seek happiness in the wrong places, it's like eating junk food. The body doesn't get nutrients, and so the body craves more of it. The more we indulge in unwholesome habits, the more we're addicted to them because it doesn't satisfy. So I was fortunate enough not to be uh, inclined in this direction, most likely because of practice in previous lifetimes. Mm. Mm-hmm. So because yes. of the practice in previous lifetimes, it it carries forward into each rebirth. And for and those so who are I, not, I just want to stop right there for a minute, because for those who do not know about what rebirth or reincarnation, you know, that is a process in which the soul has taken many embodiments to have greater experiences that will allow them to be able to continue to grow and evolve along their spiritual path. We keep on coming back into embodiment to learn certain lessons. And if we don't learn those lessons, then we continue to come back until we are learning the lessons which have themes to them. I just wanted to say that. Sorry for interrupting you there. No, no, that's perfect. So what I encourage in my students is that, yes, spiritual practice is not easy, but whatever effort we put into it is cumulative. It carries forward. It will not only safeguard us in this life from making wrong choices, but also it safeguards us in the next life. The next life also is a better one. But people don't understand that. They don't see how their present actions determine not only their present destiny, but also the destiny of future rebirths. Yeah, there's like this disconnection that happens when we're being raised in families, some families, many families, but there are some families who do not have that to have to go through that. And there's an automatic, like you said, your father had a spiritual nature. So it engendered in you, maybe not all your your brother or your sister, but it engendered in you the capacity to say there's something more. It engendered your soul came back on purpose. It's like if you were aware at an early age that you had to do, you had direction. You may not know all of what it looked like or what it was going to be, but there was just this kind of urge within you that was allowing you to continue to walk the path that was best for you. Yes. And this urge was incredibly powerful, Judith, in that it made me want to know my strengths and my weaknesses so that I could float through life correctly. So I read on astrology, palmistry, numerology, anything I could get my hands on to know what or who Bairam is and what he's capable of. Whereas most people do not use their lead time effectively before the storm comes along. And because they are unprepared, they go into depression, they go into unwholesome mind states, all kinds of things happen when people don't use their moments effectively. 
That is why it is said that fortune favors the prepared. And I fortunately was prepared at an early age so that I could go through my adult life with less hassles. It also reminds me of what you're saying there too, um, in terms of being prepared. When we are prepared, that means we're willing to understand what the laws of the universe are. Yes, Judith, yeah. absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Most people don't are clueless about these laws, totally clueless. Exactly. Even the simple law of cause and effect. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to every cause, there is an effect. And your effects that you're seeing around you, which are the illusions of Maya, we've created and we're not aware of it. But we just go from effect to effect to effect and not necessarily looking at first cause, which is you and your thinking and how you are co-creating your reality. Yes. And because people are clueless about this fact, Judith, they blame people and circumstances for why they suffer not seeing that they're the ones planting those seeds and only they can harvest the fruits. Nobody else can harvest them. And I think that gets into nicely your path of Buddhist tradition. And that tradition is this quality of what you sow, you reap. (laughs) What, you know, is what you create is an illusion or a delusion (laughs) or create some degree of lack of reality, not true reality of who you really are, which is your soul on a path and having a mission to accomplish something. And the greatest accomplishment life calls us towards, Judas, is to know ourselves. But most people prefer to know what's on the channel on TV. Well, it hits this notion, too, of the ego persona, which I talk about continuously, you know, versus the soul sense. And the ego persona is the mask that we wear and the activities we engage in to keep the ego persona always active and external from oneself and not aware of the internal world and the wealth of wisdom that exists within the person themselves. And when we are talking about this kind of area of when you don't go within, you go without, we see that happening and people going materialistically so much. Materialism is not bad. It has its place. But when it's overly arching and consuming in your life, then you're off tilter. And you don't even know that you're off tilter. There are millions upon millions of examples, Judith, proving that professional success does not equate with personal success. Yeah, Picasso was famous. When he was painting, he was a different person. But when he was not painting, he was an obnoxious personality. Then think of George Best the Irish football player, world-class football player, great talent, wealth, everything. But he destroyed himself with drugs and alcohol. Yeah. So when we don't go within, we go without experiencing life at its best. It's not possible that our talents alone are enough. Be intuitively inclined to these invisible forces that have given birth to the cosmos. And I think sometimes with what you're saying there is so much on Mark because I think we get out of attunement <laughs> because, because of the choices that are being made. And for the seekers to be aware of that your thoughts, your feelings, and your choices that you're making do have an impact upon what your future is going to look like and how it's going to be, what path it's going to take. Is it circular and <laughs> going around in circles? Is it straight line? You have some curves going on? But even if you have any of those going on, if you're in tune with your soul and your higher self, then it will guide you in the right direction you need to go in. 
the difficulty people face is that the environment we live in is not conducive for uh, spiritual clarity. Worldwide, the environment we live in is constantly seducing us towards promises that are faulty. Go to Hawaii and you'll be happy. Buy this and you'll be happy. Wear branded clothes and you'll be Mr. Cool. But that's not what happiness is. That's not where fulfillment is. So unless we have the right friendships, unless we form the right friendships, in Buddhism it's called a Sangha, or spiritually inclined people who are dedicated to awakening. Unless we have that group support, it's very difficult for us to think outside the programming that the culture is constantly flooding our consciousness with. Let me give you an example. I was in Los Angeles for five years studying for, for my master's degree in graphic design. But just within a year, I realized that that's not what I wanted to do with my life because it wasn't fulfilling. I said to my parents that, I'm sorry, I want to come back to India and I want to do this instead. And my parents flipped out, obviously, because they were paying big bucks for my education. And my dad said to me, listen, finish what you're doing, get your master's degree, and then you're free to do whatever you want. But don't quit before that. So I respected his request, finished my degree. But when I left the US to come back to India in search of my spiritual calling, to follow my spiritual calling, I had flack from everyone, Judith. My friends, my family, even strangers were telling me I was ridiculously stupid. Why are you leaving the golden land and coming back to India? You're crazy. But these very people now tell me that it was the best choice I made. Mm. But the reason I was able to stay the course is because for me, the values of the wise was far more important than the values of the world. Yeah, but most people don't have that anchoring. They don't have that anchoring in the what, how would a wise person uh, think if you say to some, someone, listen, I want to follow my spiritual calling instead of a worldly calling. A wise person would say, go for it, buddy. That's the best thing you could do. But most people in the world, you think it's a bad choice. Right. Now, now everyone says, Baram, you made the best choice available. Well, I hear a couple of things that you did. You stay true to your inner calling, your inner urge that was going on, as I, opposed to taking the voices of the world saying, you're crazy, stay, continue, live the life, you're in the good life <laughs> type of thing. You did. Mm -hmm. One second. It's not just uh, listening to my inner voice. It's listening to my inner voice in conjunction with what the wise would validate. Not just my inner voice full stop. But in conjunction with how wise people think, that's where my reference point was. Correct. And that's one of the things I was getting to, because there's different stages that we go through. And I, I think you said that very nicely, because the wise voice or the higher voice or yes. what would Jesus do in this situation? What yes. would Buddha do in this situation? What would Rama do in this situation? What would Krishna do in this situation? Those are your thinking in a different way and listening to that inner voice or inner outer voice that will guide and direct you in a very healthy and helpful way that allows you to say, I've got to do what this wise and inner self is telling me I need to do in order to be obedient. And if I'm obedient, then I walk a, a spiritual path. 
because those are one of the principles of a spiritual path is obedience as well as for the soul discipline. And, and so that allows you to be able to say, I can, I'm, I, I've got to close my ears and keep focus because I know this is the truth and the highest, you know, that can honor my existence on, on planet Earth. Yes. Just for example, when people know just a little bit about Buddhism, they're very free in criticizing the Buddha for leaving his wife and child and going off in search of enlightenment. How could he do that? It's so irresponsible. But they don't see the larger picture, the millions and billions of people who have benefited from his sacrifice. Mm -hmm. All they see is that myopic little vision, he shouldn't have left his wife and kid. But then we wouldn't have the Buddha and we wouldn't have the teachings and countless beings would not have benefited. Do you understand? So the worldly yes. perspective is usually very myopic, not far-sighted at all. They don't realize that is is myopic. Um, yes. That you know they're living in kind of in that that world. I say when you live in pea soup, all you see is green. You know, if you're outside of the pea soup, you see the carrots, you see the onions, you see the spices, you see other things. And ultimately, that is what that is what the soul is wanting you is not just to see the pea soup. You see other things higher than that that will guide the soul. So you're also talking about these states that I sometimes refer to as four states of the soul very much. As you've been talking, you know, for example, that, you know, I can see your state of their soul that how you've evolved in some ways that I think is important for seekers to know and hear. So the first state of the soul is the sleep soul. It's asleep. And that's what you're talking about, the world of the world and just kind of materialistically focused and getting the good life, what they think is a good life. Then the next level of the soul is dozing. So in the process of dozing, you're briefly awake. And then you fall back asleep and you break their awake, and you fall back asleep. You know, and then there is the partial awake soul. And that is you're, you're more sensitive. You're aware and you're wanting something more and you are seeking for more and you're gathering more. But it's a partial awakeness because what the soul is wanting to move towards is which is engaged ascending soul. And the engaged ascending soul is a soul that is integrating all that is going on in the world and looking at it through the lens of spiritual advancement. That the opportunities and the ups and the downs and the downs and the ups is not anything to the soul. It's all helpful information being given to learn certain lessons, to grow and evolve. And not to say you're not going to have some suffering that takes place because of desires that we have and we want certain things, but you're learning to discipline those desires and also be aware of the fact that life is for engagement and life is for fun and enjoyment and also for evolution of the soul to advance at its highest level that it can come fulfilling that mission, that dharma that the soul has come to fulfill. What do you think about that? So unless people have a certain amount of awakening, when they come to the classes, from, to my classes, they, they usually fall out because the practice is too difficult and they don't believe in themselves. Mm-hmm. But when they're a little more awake, mm-hmm. then they're willing to go through the hard yards required, the drudge work required to refine themselves. And they see for themselves how beautiful 
the practice is because it's it's like a mosquito repellent uh, spiritual practice. It keeps all the weirdos away. Yeah. So life becomes so much easier mm. with but people don't see that. They see the, the difficulties in changing bad habits, but they don't see the benefits of doing so. But once these do start to let go of those bad habits, life is smooth. Mm. And even though challenges come their way, they see them as an opportunity to perfect themselves. Right. It's wholly different lens for those who are the seekers or the engaged ascending souls. We're all evolving, evolving, evolving. There's just four that I'm talking about. There's probably many other levels, you know, that go on with the soul and its evolution as well. But what you're talking about is this quality of helping what you're doing is helping them or the, those who come to you, you know, in the practice is discernment to discern yeah. better. You know, what is the higher path? What is the lower path? And that's because we are living in a society in which we want everything quickly. We want everything easy. We don't want to feel any pain. We don't want to feel any discomfort. And if it's so, then it must not be right. But that's not the right equation. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. But the discernment, uh, one of the things we need to discern is to see, is to be actually very vigilant of the insidious unseen definitions, assumptions, and perceptions that consolidate the very things we want to be free from. For instance, nobody likes to be afraid. Nobody likes to live in doubt and insecurity. And yet, whenever a challenge arises, if people are not discerning of how they're translating that challenge, their definition of the challenge, their assumptions about it, the perceptions of the challenge, they will run from it, avoid it, deny it, anything but face it. But without the discernment to see that every challenge is an invitation for perfecting ourselves, we don't really grow in the process. Right. So we have to be clear, we have to have the discernment to see how we are sabotaging ourselves and how these definitions are keeping us locked in a reality we want to be free from. That is so true. And so what, what is that process? Or you know, First of all, it's got to be the awareness <laughs> that you're locked in yes, um, in order for you to kind of untie, untie the knot um, that you've, right. you've created. But how? what are your thoughts about that? How do you help individuals to untie that knot or that stuck view that they may be in? Awareness is founded on education, the right education, and the right information. If, for instance, I'm driving down this uh, lonely road and my car breaks down and I have no clue about mechanics, yeah, and I get off, get out of the door, open the bonnet, and I look at the engine, how will I be able to discern just what the problem is? In the absence of the education, I have no clue, right? Exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. We need spiritual education as a foundation for making clear life choices. Without the right worldview, we are sunk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because the worldview that is being imposed upon us 
is by people who are highly deluded. <laughs> You'll be happy if you have this. You'll be happy if you go there. No, that's not where happiness is. That's not where fulfillment is. So without the right worldview, without the right education, there can be no right practice, Judith. Without right practice, how do we meet with the challenge? How do we find the solution for it? Yeah, I think you're saying something that is really powerful. And that is spiritual education. And when we have and, education and, for everything, so, but spiritual so education. Spiritual education by this, I don't mean dogma. Mm -mm. Something absolutely mm -hmm. practical, which you can apply in your life right here and now. Nothing mm -hmm. to believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Cause and effect. Mm -hmm. Greed. In the moment you're greedy, you will poison yourself. Cause and effect. There's no God out there poison, uh, harming you. You are harming yourself. Right. In love, you're healing yourself immediately, not in some future reality. Yeah. So these are the laws which we have to be clear of how things operate, cause and effect. It's what you do right here, you'll experience right now. Mm -hmm. People are too insensitive to experience those things. Sometimes they become insensitive because of the lifestyles that they, they hold or they're and they're looking maybe for something more and they haven't found how to live in a different way and make better choices, you know, in yeah. their life. No, no good friendships, no proper friendships, no proper mentorship, yes. no proper guidance. So obviously their mind will think along lines that are not uh, conducive to their well-being. Correct, correct. So when I think about spiritual education, I think about applied spirituality. Yes, 100%. And the more that through some of the work that you're doing and others are doing, to put it in an applied way, in the everyday way for individuals, that they see how it ties into the inner self because we've been so socialized by the external world as the real world and not aware of the inner world that exists within us. So that's why we go looking for something externally so much, but never think about, about the internal, where the soul exists and where the substance of your life which really is. But we think that substance, which is false gold, is external. And so you keep on looking, you keep on looking, you keep on looking. And not knowing how to turn within. People, Some people, they, they're, they're frightened of themselves. They don't like isolation. They don't like um, being alone. They you know, don't like not having noise around them. I mean, so they have something in the background going on all the time for them. And yes, I understand that those are habit patterns and those habit patterns can be broken too. But also there has to be a desire for looking within. So you had that naturally, a one to look within. How do you help other people to cultivate that looking within as, to, as opposed to being like a magnet uh, filing and magnets being drawn to the external world because this has more glamour and excitement and titillations that go on for oneself. But that's false goal, as I said. Judith, there are two ways in which people come to the path. One is when they see the light and the other is when they feel the heat. <laughs> True. Yeah, I was the one who felt the heat. <laughs> 
because it was during a crisis period in my life when I was in the US. It was that crisis period, that deep depression and resentment and anger, which brought me onto the path. If I hadn't experienced experienced that uh, reality, I would have lived in the la-la land, in fantasy world, like everybody else does. So sometimes these deep, anguishing realities are really the best blessing that the good Lord gives us with. Correct. But what was it for you in the U.S. that said, oh, my God, this is depressing? I was in college, in a private college. The faculty members there, the deans of the various departments, dance, film and video, theater, music, art and design, all the the deans of the five different faculties in that college, not one of them was happy. They were international figureheads, wealth, name, fame, power, everything, good homes, good families, but they were alcoholics, they were into drugs, into sexual aberrations. Not one was happy. It woke me up. What am I doing here? If they're not happy, and I want to be a great designer, what are the chances of my being happy? Mm-hmm. So that's what made me look for answers where they were not looking for answers. What was missing in their life was not money and power and talent. What was missing was spiritual clarity. Mm-hmm. And that's what brought me to the path. Mm-hmm. But for some, uh, some people are uh, blessed when they see the light in the terms of they come across someone who's... Re- and I, I saw the light also there. I saw the depth and the light because the trainer where I went for some courses on self-development was an incredibly radiant person. And I said to myself, one day I will be like him, helping other people to discover their strengths. And that's where I found my calling. Mm -hmm. And I'm still following that calling today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we need a good example sometimes to move in this direction. And sometimes you also need a little fire up our ass to get us of our complacency mode. Yeah, and as we're we're able to take those promptings, be it the fire or the light, yes. um, uh, when we're able to take those promptings, is the soul's delight. Is the soul who says, now we're really working. Now we're really walking the spiritual path. Not this right. other stuff. Right. Making choices allows us now to continue to evolve and grow. And, and in that process, get into that state of engaged ascending. You're ascending daily to something better and something better. It doesn't mean I can have some exposure and experiences and challenges at times, but you have a way of being, a way in which you can be able to move yourself through those experiences because you see them now as gifts and opportunities to allow your soul to continue to grow and evolve that much more. So... One of the things that I'm gifted with in this life is a consequence of previous rebirths. What I'm gifted with in this life is this deep love for God. Deep, passionate, oceanic love for God or the universe. Mm -hmm. And without this love, uh, Judith, there can be no practice. There can be no awakening. I see so many students, so many students have come to me, come into my classes but they don't have that love. They don't have that passion to want to see God, to want to make contact with God. And they believe that just gathering information is sufficient. 
It's nothing. Just information will do nothing for anyone. There has to be this spark of this longing. This, just like someone who is in, deeply in love with someone, he looks for that person everywhere. Oh, in the supermarket, over here, over there, constantly hoping, hoping to bump into that person again. Yeah, That kind of love has to be present. Without that love, practice is infertile. We need that love. Totally, I totally agree. I remember my father would say when I was going through schoolings, the different schoolings I went through, he said, be careful of the book knowledge. Don't let yeah. it intellectualize you and not and get you further away from what you really know who you are, which yes. is your God self that is, exists within you. So don't allow that, the, all that learning that you're doing to kind of move you and off the path of who you really are. It's so true. And because there's the intellectual knowledge or the intellectual mind, and we think the knowledge that we gain is making us more quote unquote powerful. But in actuality, it is not. It is it actually it is the evolution of the soul is for you to be able to have that knowledge, to be able to utilize it. But it's now put onto the auspices of your soul, not on top of your soul, your intellectual knowledge. <laughs> it's as if who should it be in the queen seat? It should be your soul sitting in that seat, not your intellectual mind or your persona or your ego persona should not be sitting in those seats. But in many experiences, people have found it is their intellectual mind or even their emotional self that rages and gets angry and gets frustrated and gets his needs met through that means that is sitting in that seat. And the soul is sitting on the side saying, what about me? <laughs> Absolutely. That's why, Judith, in almost every spiritual tradition, focused attention is imperative. Because unless we know how to focus the mind like a laser beam onto the things we are studying, contemplate deeply on the subject. We don't have an experiential understanding of it, only an intellectual one. We have to understand that cause and consequence, we have to understand it in the marrow of our being, not in the head, so that we don't harm others because we understand the ramifications, not just in relation to the harm we will cause ourselves, but so many other people get harmed in the process because that person goes and harms somebody else later on. So we need that experiential understanding and it only comes through focused, disciplined practice. But that focus and that discipline can only be possible if you really love the subject. It is those scientists and the doctors and the artists and the musicians who love what they're doing who get insights into their fields. Other people don't get insights. Only those who really are passionate about what they're doing, they're the ones for whom the mind opens. Yes. I, 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 you said that very nicely. It is something that happens that we don't have or know how to develop what true love is and the love of the creator and, and being willing to say, you know, I, I hunger for more. Of, of that substance of God. <laughs> we replace that substance of that hungry and we misread it. The hunger is for, oh, I, I, I just want something sweet. Oh, oh, I just want that, that delicious meal. That's my hunger. But there's a deeper hunger that you're talking about that is filled by love and glory. 
you know, to that higher aspect of who you really are. Call, call it the I am presence, call it the God source, call it Buddha, Jesus. But there's a love that you have that's there. And I think that's something if you're up for to talk a little bit more about maybe in our next segment. But what happens that we we don't cultivate, I guess that is. We don't cultivate love. Mm. So it would be nice to be able to put a hold on this and bring you back and talk about this and continue this conversation. Uh, what we've been talking about is when we don't go within, we go without. And what we're talking about now is going within. And how do you go about doing that in part two? Okay. Um, but in this part one that we're talking about right now, if would there be any pearls of wisdom that you want to leave with the seeker? Is there anything you would like to share with the listeners as we're ending this segment that would be helpful for them to contemplate with some of the things we've talked about so far? Yeah, what I would like to share in closing is what spiritual teachers have been saying throughout the world in every culture. And this is that we should not make things that matter the most to be at the mercy of things which matter the least. And yet... Countless people are fascinated with the glitter of the world while neglecting the treasures they hold within. Mm. So instead of wanting to be outwardly successful, it is far more profitable for us to be inwardly successful because the fulfillment that arises from being in attunement with the love that moves the cosmos is unimaginable, Judith. Mm. Unimaginable. Wow, that's a nice, nice way of ending. If they want to get a hold of you, where would they get a hold of you? They can just uh, contact me through my website. Will you be including it in the bio at the? End? I will as well. Mm -hmm. so just include it there, mm -hmm. and you can also put in my email. They can contact me directly with email or through the website. Okay, great. Thank well, you. Well, so this. Much. Is you're welcome. And this has been a nice conversation to really look at what is that without we're going and how do we get to the within, which we're going to be doing more of that talking about that in our part two about this, because it's a fascinating subject and it's something that we can always continue to grow and evolve with. So bye for now. Take care. Thank you. Thanks all. Thank you for joining me for this episode on Mastering Life's Adventures being your best self through soul evolution. If you have enjoyed what you've heard today, I would be delighted if you would share this episode with others. Leave a thumbs up and subscribe to my Master in Life's Adventures podcast. Look forward to your joining the next episode. Please leave any comments or suggestions you might have below. Bye for now.